0: Welcome to the One God Report. Today we want to take a look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. It's a text that people who believe in the deity of Christ often point to to see or believe they see the deity of Jesus described in this chapter. So let's take a look at it. Just a couple of introductory points. First of all, note the overall point that the author of the book of Hebrews is making in chapter 1 is that God has appointed the human being, Jesus, the Messiah, as the representative of humanity to be God's vice-regent ruler, to sit at God's right hand. Now this privilege was not granted to an angel or angels. This theme that God has appointed a human being to be at his right hand fits the overall theme of the book of Hebrews in that the Messiah Jesus is greater than Moses. He's a better high priest than Aaron. He gives a better rest than Joshua. He brings into effect and mediates a better covenant with a better sacrifice and on and on. Everything about Jesus is better than what was given in the Torah of Moses. Yes, the Torah was good, but it was a type was a copy or a shadow, an outline of what was to come. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the one who brings these good things to come. So if the author of the book thought that Jesus was God, there would be no reason for him to make the point that he's greater than angels like he does in chapter one, or that he's greater than Moses or greater than Aaron. That would be kind of a silly argument if he believed that Jesus was God. Now the second point is, in an introductory way. There are some translation issues in this chapter, specifically translation issues that make it sound like Jesus was some kind of a co-creator of the material world in the book of Genesis. Now we'll look at these issues in the text and discover that the author never calls Jesus the creator of the universe. Okay, let's dive right into the text and look at verse 1 we have a few different translations here available i'll read verse 1 to start i'm reading from the revised standard version and we can note some differences as we go along hebrews 1 1 says in many and various ways god spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets let me read verse 2 too but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the, my translation says world. We're going to talk about that word a little bit in just a minute. But let me just point out a couple of things. And if you guys have some other observations, one of the things I would note is that this first chapter of the book of Hebrews, like the rest of the book of Hebrews, and like the rest of the New Testament, consistently differentiates between God on the one hand, and Jesus on the other. Jesus is not God. You can see this right in the very first verse of the book, where in many and various ways, God spoke. That's not the Trinity. That's not Jesus. If Jesus is God, this is not Jesus. We can see who this God is. He's the God that is also known as the Father, the one God. And it's that God, Jesus is not included in the auth- this author's delineation of who God is. This is God right here. God spoke. And God is going to speak through the prophets. And God is going to speak through the Son. Jesus is the Son. He's not God. He's differentiated from God right in the very first couple verses of this book.
1: Yeah, I think that's important to note because it gets a little bit fuzzy later on, depending on translations. And so right from the get-go, you have long ago, God spoke through the prophets, but he's saying there's going to be a difference coming here. He's spoken to us by a son. But it's still God speaking. It's still God speaking. Mm -hmm. And then it differentiates. It's very clear that there's two different, God is basically choosing to speak through two different Mm medians. And of course he had Jesus as his son and the word comes through his son in the New Testament, we know I don't have the verses in front of me, but many times Jesus said, these words I speak to you are not my words. I speak what the Father tells me. So we know everything he spoke did not come from him, but from the Father, which delineates an order that God is greater than Jesus because he's God and Jesus is his son. And they are two different beings there.
0: Right. And look, it, even in, I'm just looking at down a couple of verses later at the end of verse 3 it's talking about Jesus when he made purification for sins he this is Jesus of course sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high now the majesty on high is god jesus made purification for sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty that would mean that Jesus is not part of in any way he's not the same being or something of the majesty and I and this is over and over again in this book even the continuation in verse 2 whom he this is God whom he appointed heir of all things God appointed Jesus heir of all things mm-hmm. that doesn't work if Jesus is God if Jesus is God he doesn't need to be appointed heir of anything and I think it really goes back to the whole biblical narrative Right back to Genesis, when God made man to have dominion over all that God created. Mm. That's what this is saying. God's plan for mankind is happening through Jesus, the man Jesus. Man has been appointed by God to be heir of the earth. And especially through our representative Jesus, who is now uniquely at the right hand of God. hmm Now, the last phrase in verse 2 is one that has, I remember when I was a Trinitarian, would cause me to think, oh, Jesus must have some kind of deity in him. Especially Mm -hmm. the way it's translated. It says, through whom he also created the world, my translation has. Mm -hmm. I think uh, some translations even have, through whom he created the universe, Mm -hmm. or through whom he created. What other translations do you have? Well, mine says world, but I know I've read ages before. Some like have that. worlds. Yeah, mine has mm-hmm. worlds. World. And see, this is where we should be able to look at the Greek original some. And unfortunately, I don't think people have been real honest with their translations here. The word in Greek is aeons, through whom he has created the ages. Mm-hmm. Now, note, as I said in, in the introductory comments, That Jesus is not the one who is creating here the one who is creating or making in this case is God God is making Jesus is not making anything here when I was a Trinitarian when I thought when I believed in the deity of Jesus I was thinking that somehow Jesus that he was the maker here no God is the maker through Jesus yes there's some kind of a role that Jesus has but Jesus is not the maker And even if you translate the word as universe or world, whatever, Jesus is not the maker. God is the maker through him. The ages. God makes the ages through Jesus. Now, what does this mean? We should at least be willing to consider other possibilities. And This is not the idea of the material universe. It doesn't include the planets and the stars and the Milky Way and the rocks and the trees on earth. It's the word ages. We have in the biblical concept that with a human being, yes, with an individual human being, ages have come about, starting, for instance, with Adam. When Adam was made, that began the age of with humanity, and even specifically a people for God. Another good example is Noah, the whole world that Adam knew was destroyed, and a new Age came about through one man, through Noah and his sons, of course, but really through one man, Noah. And in the same way, through Jesus, God is made the ages. The current age has been made through Jesus, in which God is gathering a covenant people. And by the way, with the new age being made, there's always the idea of God's people being formed within that age. I think we can see that with Abraham. Likewise, Abraham is somewhat parallel. Abraham was one man. And through him, God brought about a covenant people that were existing with other non-covenant people on the earth. And even so now with Jesus, since Jesus has come, there is a called out community of people that are made in this age that is going on at the same time as unrighteousness. In the next age, age in the world to come of which the writers of hebrews speaks in chapter 2 and verse 5 in the next age the world will be in righteousness and that age too in the community of believers that are in it were brought about by god through jesus Mm -hmm. so this is what i believe the writer of hebrews is talking about he sees through the one man jesus new ages Mm -hmm. being made both the current age and the age to come. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. We know that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it talks about how we're a new creation. And Romans 5.17, for by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. So we get the sense of something entering through a man, Through one man. Mm -hmm. So death reigned through Adam. Death reigned through that one man. much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through. through, so this is the idea of this new creation reigning through Christ, like what you said, the restoration of man. We're, yeah. we're put on a rightful place. We're able. To, we're given the authority that we lost. The creation is going to be restored through the righteousness Amen. of Christ.
0: And you know, I think people forget that that this is a biblical theme is that through it, one individual person. God works, brings about. Mm-hmm. Through Adam, he brought about all of society that we know. Mm-hmm. Well, Again, then through Noah, one man. Mm-hmm. Through Abraham, one mm-hmm. man. When God called Abraham, one man. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll make your descendants as great as the sand on the seashore. Mm-hmm. Through one man. And it's through the one man, Jesus, that God makes the ages. Mm-hmm. This age, the age to come, and maybe even the age, as, as Paul says in another place, the ages to come. Mm-hmm. In the ages to come, God will pour his grace out upon mm-hmm. us in the book of Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So it follows with the theme of the rest of the Bible. This it whole does. concept of going through. We've seen this time and time mm-hmm. again. In some ways, I think what we're saying here is, being all former Trinitarians, we're just saying maybe a little bit of a challenge. Try to look at this book from a different framework. mm mm-hmm. We're we're looking at oh mm-hmm. I see God is differentiated from Jesus I see that God is uh, Jesus is not God he the author separates Jesus from God he's not calling Jesus God in these first few verses
1: mm-hmm. and just because the promises through Christ are so much greater than the promises through any other man but they were all a shadow of the things to come right we could mm-hmm. look at people like Noah yeah, they're Abraham ty- they're show. types of yeah. him mm-hmm. right yeah. and then Christ is the fulfillment of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm just so the, because the promises are so much greater and God was able to do so much more through Christ does not make Christ God. It just mm. makes him a man in which God was able to do abundantly more than he was able to do through any other man. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Before we leave verses 1 and 2, we should point out that whereas God spoke in various ways in the past to the fathers by the prophets, it's only in these last days That god has spoken to us by a son that is there was no pre-incarnate son that appeared in the old testament or through whom god spoke to the fathers god has spoken through the son only in these last days as the author of hebrews says again in chapter 9 verses 26 to 28 jesus has so far come only once not multiple times and when God sends Jesus back to the earth, it will only be the second time that Jesus has been here. Here's Hebrews 9:26 to 28. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. In other words, Hebrews 1.1 and 9, 26-28, eliminate any possibility of the so-called pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus. Jesus has appeared once, and He will appear a second time, The next time he comes will be the second time that he's come to earth. Okay, let's look at verse 3. My translation says, He, talking about Jesus, reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature, upholding the universe by his word of power. Now again, if I'm reading this, it's not fair to the average person that can't read a little bit of Greek. These translators, they're not being fair in their translation. There's some things here that just are not right. First of all, note that in the first phrase, he reflects the glory of God. The of God is not in the text. I think he could have put it in italics, and it's probably what it means, but it should have been in italics. It's talking about Jesus, of course. He reflects the glory. That means Jesus is not the glory himself is that understandable? Mm -hmm. If he's reflecting like Moses, when he went up to Mount Sinai, Mm. he came back and he was reflecting the glory of God. But that was a fading glory. And Paul makes this point. The glory of Jesus reflecting God is not fading. So he's reflecting the glory. And now this translation says he bears the very stamp of his nature. Okay, fair enough. What other translations do we have? Mine is the
2: exact image of his person.
0: An image of his person? Mm-hmm. Interesting. What do you have? Is that, that's the King James? What is that? New King James. New King James, okay. Uh, ESV is the exact imprint of his nature. Okay, I think these are getting the sense of what it means. Mm-hmm. And again, we can see that the author is telling us that Jesus is not God. Rather, he's a good representation of God, like a print. Like if you take a, a seal and you put it into the clay... The seal itself is not the clay. They're two mm-hmm. dis- different substances. But once you press that seal, maybe it has a picture, maybe even the, the words you know, belonging to so-and-so, it's a, an exact imprint of the seal, the clay is. Mm-hmm. So now you get, get an idea of what the seal looks like. And there's mm-hmm. a certain officialness to it as well. Mm-hmm. I think the writer is also telling us in a sense of stuff. What was your translation? The express image
2: of his person.
0: Of his person. Mm. In a sense, values, behavior. The word here is character. Mm. So Jesus' character tells us about who God is.
1: Yeah. I mean, we know that Jesus only spoke the words that God told him to speak. So whenever you heard from Jesus, you were hearing the words of God. He only did the things that God told him Mm. to do. There's a point where he was struggling between his will and God's will, and he chose to do God's will, right? We know that everything that Christ did reflected the will of God. So when you saw hmm. Christ, you saw the will of God. Mm-hmm. And that would be the exact imprint of God's nature, God's will, God's, God's plan. Of who God is. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay, then the next phrase in verse 3, my translation says, upholding the universe by his word of power the word universe in my translation is not fair Mm. it's simply the word all Mm. and so you can see how reading this as a someone who believed in the deity of christ i say okay wow jesus is somehow involved in upholding the universe by his word of power and i do think that the word his here his word of power does refer to jesus it may be referring to god i think maybe we won't have to go into that well For the time being, assume that the word His relates to Jesus, His word of power here. But it's not that the the word of Jesus' power is upholding the universe. It says all. Now, what is another way to take this? The New English translation of the Bible is closer to the original. It says, He sustains all things by His powerful word. The main meaning of the Greek word translated as sustains in the verses to carry or bear, even bring or bring along. As we saw in a previous episode, I believe that the author of Hebrews is here describing the same phenomenon that Paul described in Colossians one hundred seventeen and Ephesians one hundred twenty one. Jesus has been made the head, the authority of all powers and authorities in this age and in the age to come. The man, Jesus Christ, has been granted by God to be the one who continually keeps and bears all authority. He's subject only to God.
2: Like also in Ephesians one twenty one and 22, it says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church.
0: Yeah, I think that's the same idea. The he is God, has made him, him there is Jesus, Mm -hmm. to be head over all things.
2: Yeah, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church.
0: This fits fits perfectly. perfectly. So
1: if you look back in Hebrews... He upholds all things by the word of his power. All things, yeah. If you're the head of something, who upholds the head of things, right? Who makes the decisions? Who sets the structure, Mm -hmm. right? The head of that Mm -hmm. organization. And we see in uh, Ephesians, and really starting in 1 verse 20, he worked in Christ when God raised Christ from the Mm -hmm. dead and seated Jesus at God's right hand in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. So God made him second in command Mm -hmm. under God. Far above any other authority. And then verse 22, it says, well, what's his main role? His main role, he gave him his head over all things to the church. Mm-hmm. That all things mm-hmm. seems to relate back to Hebrews, where he says, and upholds all things by the word of his power. Yeah,
0: yeah I think so. I think this mm-hmm. is a, a very close parallel. I think so, too. That he yeah. sees the authority of Jesus mm-hmm. given to him by God mm-hmm. over all. Mm -hmm. And the continuation of verse 3, again, very clearly differentiates between God and Jesus, and that Jesus is not God. Mm -hmm. I still hear people saying that Hebrews 1, they see the deity of Jesus in it. Look, at try to read it from a different perspective, and I think you can see in the latter part of verse 3, just like we have in some of the other phrases up above, this is that Jesus is not God in this author's mind. When he, that's Jesus, had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high.
1: I would maybe challenge the listener to go back to Ephesians 1, 20 through 22. This perfectly fits with those verses. Because we see God raise Jesus from the dead, sit him at his right hand. We see him give him all authority, far above all other rule and authority and power and dominion. So then we can see that the word of Jesus, is, the word of his power, the word of Jesus' is power, it is over everything. And then at the, at that whole section ends with not only in this age, but also in the age to come, mm-hmm. which we've been talking about how through whom, in verse uh, Hebrews 1, verse 2, God
0: also made the age to come. Mm-hmm. The ages. Yeah. Or ages, mm-hmm. yep. even, yeah. And this verse is clear. That Jesus is not God. I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Is only the Father the majesty on high? Is not Jesus part of the triune God? Shouldn't the majesty on high be the triune God? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. You cannot read this in a Trinitarian or deity of Christ mindset. I don't think you can if you really pay Mm -hmm. attention to it. He says the same thing again in this book a couple of times i i'm going to look at hebrews 8 verse 1 for a second now the point in what we are saying is this we have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven you see jesus is not part of a godhead he is seated at the right hand of god of the majesty in heaven mm. and that's But the book of Hebrews is saying. So Hebrews chapter 1 clearly differentiates between God, the majesty in heaven, and Jesus Christ, who died. He made purification for our sins through his death and then sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has obtained is more excellent than theirs. Now this is going to be a main point that the writer wants to make in the rest of chapter one. That Jesus Christ, the human being Jesus Christ, is superior to angels. An angel was not put by God at God's right hand. A human being was. And he wants to make that point because he's gonna say, look, we have a better covenant with God than even the covenant of Moses. Because at the very end of this chapter, in the beginning of chapter two, He's going to say, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. For if the message declared by angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared first by the Lord, that's Jesus, and it was attested to us by those who heard him, while God... Differentiated again from Jesus also bore witness by signs and wonders So he's gonna say the covenant that we have with God is even more serious Than the covenant mediated by angels. That's the Torah. See Mm -hmm. in the Jewish world The Torah of Moses was mediated brought by angels Mm -hmm. and that's what this writer wants to say. We have a better covenant We have a better high priest Mm -hmm. We have the high priest that the Torah looked forward to that the Torah was only a shadow a sketch of we've got the real thing. Mm-hmm. And now he's telling us here in the book of Hebrews, the almighty God has a human being at his right hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I never knew that in the Hebrew mindset, the angels brought
1: the Torah. So I think that that's a good bit of information to have. Mediated it. Yeah. Mediated yeah. it, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But good information as you read Hebrews because it does mm-hmm. make things fit a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Verse 5, For to what angel did God ever say, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Now again, God is differentiated from the Son. Can we see this in Hebrews chapter 1? The Mm -hmm. Son is not God. God, all of God said this to the Son. Mm -hmm. You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Now, the Son has a beginning. Begotten is just a fancy word, for I have given you birth. The male Mm -hmm. role of giving birth. So Jesus has a beginning. That means he's a created being. This is a quote from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, where God says to his king, his Messiah, you are my son. A title for the Messiah is the son of God, and he has a beginning. He's been brought forth by God. It's a human being. This is what the author wants to say. It's not an angel mm-hmm. that, that God puts at his right hand. You are my son. And again, he quotes here, Second Samuel chapter 7. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. This is God's promise to David that David would not lack an heir on the throne. There's only one divinely ordained monarchy on the earth, the Davidic monarchy god said this is my king one divinely ordained monarchy that god said would not end it's the davidic dynasty Mm -hmm. right all these kings of england want to claim a connection Mm -hmm. to the davidic dynasty because they know (laughs) in the bible that it was divinely ordained forever Mm -hmm. so here's god he says to david your descendant i'm gonna have a a unique relationship with him
1: Mm
0: -hmm. in Lots of ways, like a father to a son. I will be his father, and he will be my son. You know, notice
1: how it doesn't say, you are my son, today I have incarnated myself. The Bible
0: is very clear about this. Mm -hmm. Begotten is always begotten. Somebody fathered somebody. Mm -hmm. And in verse 6, it says he was born. Mm -hmm. When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. The firstborn is a title given to human beings. Israel was God's firstborn. The king, descended from David, is called the firstborn. This is again Psalm 89. God brings the firstborn, and he makes him the ruler over the world. He puts him at his right hand. He's going to be the ruler over the nations. Again, it's interesting because like Adam, Adam was a firstborn, and he was to be ruler over the world. The original creation let man rule over all over the earth so he's the firstborn let God's angels worship him now worship means to bow down to respect to honor in this case you can see it's not as God it's because God has appointed this one and the angels are subject him like mm-hmm. this author is going to say these angels were created as ministering spirits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mankind, and I don't think most people realize this, but God has made mankind as the number two being in the universe, not angels. We're placed at God's right hand. That's what this author wants to say. And he's really getting it from the rest of the biblical narrative right back to Adam. Adam's called God's son. He has a unique relationship. Of the angels, verse 7, any other comments on verse 6? Okay, verse 7. Of the angels, oh, maybe one other comment in verse 6. It's a little difficult to track where this is uh, written in the Bible, let all God's angels worship him. I believe that in the book of Deuteronomy 32, verse 43, the Greek has something like that. And there's somewhat of a similar phrase in Psalm 97, 7. But the import of it is clear, that the angels are subject to this human being that God has placed at his right hand.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's First Peter three twenty-two. Right before that, at the end of verse 21, it says, Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been subject to him.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. another good parallel. Mm-hmm. Huh? And uh, here's another thing is, As much as people want to say the deity of Christ exalts Jesus, it actually denigrates Jesus. Because the human Jesus, you're removing the human Jesus from this place, if you want to say that has to be God at God's right Mm -hmm. hand. But God says no. God says that human person, Jesus of Nazareth, raised from the dead, that human person Mm -hmm. is at my right hand. It's Satan, man's adversary, that would say, no, it can't be man at God's right hand. Mm -hmm. You see, God says, "Uh uh-uh, mankind, you're at my right hand. And the chief representative is Jesus the Messiah, risen from the dead.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So verse 7 now, of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. Okay, so they have a service role. But of the Son, now, getting to verse 8, we get into some more interesting translation issues. We will stop there for now and plan to continue examining the rest of Hebrews chapter 1 in an upcoming podcast. We will see if Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, is called God in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8. And we will ask why the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 102, which describes Yahweh as the creator of the heavens and the earth. Is the author telling us that Jesus is Yahweh? This is Bill Schlegel for the One God Report podcast. If you enjoy the podcast or YouTube channel, please follow us and rate the podcast and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help others find us, as well as share us on social media. For constructive discussion, you are welcome to join the One God Report Facebook group. Yishma'u Anavim the Yismachu. The humble will hear and rejoice.